Good morning. I'm Peggy. I'm reading from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. God's kingdom will last forever. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Peggy. Good morning. It's uh, great to see you all here this morning. I'm glad we all uh, picked ourselves up out of our despair, right? Um, Some of us maybe, some maybe not, um, but we don't want to hear from you if that's the case, all right? I'm speaking. Um, Well, unlike yesterday, we're going to finish what we started, all right, (laughs) in Daniel. Um, Hey, my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And um, just a heads up, I not only have this nasally stuffiness going on, but I also have a speech impediment. So if you've never heard me preach before, I want to give you all a a heads up. And then we got some extra flavor to it this morning. Um, But yeah, this has been a good week. Hopefully you've had a good week. Um, And uh, again, hopefully as we transition into our Advent season, which as Jake said, is a time of preparation. It's where we both um, remember the anticipation of the first coming of Jesus, and then we build our anticipation as a church collectively throughout the world as we look ahead to the second coming, the the promised return of the King. And so um, even as we just read, the the Son of Man whose kingdom has no end, that's what we want to really enter into this morning as we continue and kind of wrap up our short series where we've been in in the book of Daniel. And again, next week we'll start in Advent, um, just for those of you who want to kind of um, kind of think ahead on it, is we'll be looking at uh, uh, this, this theme of hope and of building hope in, in Christ. All right, so go ahead and turn with me in Daniel If you uh, have a copy of God's Word with you on a phone or an actual hard copy, and um, if you don't, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? Somebody will get you a copy of God's Word. I want to make sure we can all read along. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y... Esta mañana estamos en el libro de Daniel, capítulo 6 y 7. All right, so again, we're in Daniel 6 and 7. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, if you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand and follow along with, please keep this, all right, as our gift to you. We want to make sure we can all um, follow along in, in God's Word. So, um, this morning, where we'll be kind of wrapping up is where we were at the very beginning of our time in Daniel, and it's this case okay, seeing. Oh yeah, hey, if you need a Bible, keep your hand up. All right, I can help with this, like an auctioneer. Um, but yeah, just from the front. Yep, there we go, right up here. There we are. So yeah, keep it up. I got your back. All right, if you just keep that up, and they will find you one. Thank you to our ushers, who uh, always help. They don't get enough love, so thank you. Um, 
So again, let me kind of set the tone, right, for where we are in this time is, is the big idea is that we are called to be God's faithful people as exiles in a foreign land, right? And as we'll see this morning in both chapter 6 and chapter 7 is, is that the, the big idea, the good news is that we can be and we only can be God's faithful people as exiles in a foreign land because God is all-powerful and God is faithful. All right, amen? So because God is with us and God is faithful, we in turn can be his faithful people, can have a faithful presence as exiles in a foreign land. So let me pray as we get into our time together in Daniel chapter 6. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that uh, the sun will rise again, though we kind of joke about, I'm sure some of us are in different places of despair after, you know, after uh, football games of different types. Um, Lord, we, even driving by the U of A this morning, you know, there's kind of a dark cloud. Um, But in all seriousness, Lord, we approach our time in these, um, over the holiday seasons, Lord, Thanksgiving for many of us, I know even for myself, are, there are great m- memories and then some hard ones, and we remember loved ones lost, and, and we also think of um, uh, new, uh, new relationships formed and, and hope and redemption, and it can be a bunch of different things. So Lord, we pray that through our time in your word this morning, we would have a, have a new understanding of your presence with us and how that's meant to shape and define every aspect of our lives. And we pray all this in hope, in the good news, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, pick up with me in Daniel 6. I'm going to read the first five verses here as again we see God's faithful presence. It please Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to go over the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. So again, just um, quickly, if you remember last week, we, we saw in one chapter a new king raised up and then brought down, right? Uh, so you know about... Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylon, and then he died, and, and, and the prophecy about how that would go about came true, and then his son well, kind of came up quickly and then came crashing down quickly, all in the course of one chapter where we were. And so now, as we saw at the end there, this new king is raised up, Darius, and yet the same theme continues of, of God's people being called to remain faithful and, and new kings are coming up and crashing down and new, new, new edicts and things go forth and yet God's people are called to remain faithful in, in, this, in these uncertain times. And so that's kind of where we're at here. So again, now picking up in verse three, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. And if you've been with us for this whole time in Daniel, you would say again, right? He's raised up, he's been brought down. He's raised up, been brought down, but he remains faithful. And so now he's again been given great favor. And so here it says, because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. They were haters. All right. They were jealous of the favor that God had been giving to Daniel and what that was earning him in response in, in relationship with the king and the whole kingdom. So they're they're 
jealous. All right, so it says here, um, uh, because he was faithful, but no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. All right, so they can't find a reason, all right? He's that guy that they're jealous of because God's giving him favor, and they can't find any reason to, to bring him down, right? To bring him out of the, the good favor that he's had with the king. So what do they do? They know, well, you know, one way, he'll remain faithful to, to his God, so let's find something there to bring him down. Okay, a c- couple thoughts there first is this. People are jealous of God's glory, all right, and that's what's happening here. It's not because Daniel's got all these other things. It's not because he's got more goods or more different things, right? It's because in the end, God's glory, God will share his glory with no other gods. And that's happened time and time again. And now as his glory has been shown through Daniel, people are jealous and people hate him. But let's take note here, okay, because sometimes, let's just be honest, within the church, in Christianity sometimes, we can make ourselves out to be martyrs or to be persecuted when we shouldn't. All right, so we can be like, yeah, we're all like Daniel here, and we're doing this because, you know, people are hating on us because of this, and sometimes it's with good reason. Okay, but in Daniel's case, and we should aspire to be like him, it's only because of his faithfulness to God. All right, they, and they know that. They, it's not because, well, he's a part of this demographic and we're going we're gonna to go after him you know, because of this and we're going we're gonna to tear him down and we're going to do this and then make himself out to be a martyr right? because it's for his own selfish personal gain. No, but, but, but here it's because he's been faithful to God and because God has revealed himself through him and in that he's getting, he's getting persecuted. All right, so again, to kind of general, especially kind of majority demographic of, you know, kind of Christian, evangelical Christianity, let's be careful to remember that any persecution that we experience needs to be because of our faithfulness to God, which always means it's for his glory and the good of our neighbor. All right? For his glory and the good of our neighbor. And if it's because we're getting privileges taken away, I'll just be Straight here, as a church right here, if it's because our tax exemptions are getting taken away, I've talked about this before, and, and now, I, now I get mad. Hey, they're trying to take away some of my paycheck, all right, as a, as a pastor, as a clergyman. Now I'm going to stand up and say I'm being persecuted. Well, maybe. I mean, I might vote to, you know, that way or whatever, but that's not really what it's, what, what it's all about, okay? What it really comes down to is, Man, are, are we being faithful to God, which means we're able to love the most persecuted and the marginalized. We're able to have a faithful presence as his people, as exiles in a foreign land, which we've talked about the last few weeks, means you're not going to be 100% loved on the left or the right, okay? But you're meant to stand somewhere in the middle of, of, of seeking to love God and love our neighbor as ourself in everything that we do. And that's what's happening here with Daniel. As he remains faithful, sometimes he gets favor, sometimes he gets, he gets persecuted, and yet he just remains, his, his, his mission and his eyes are set in the same place, all right? He wants to reflect God in his glory and his goodness in everything that he does. So these guys come together and they say, hey, well, we need to find a reason for him to be persecuted. So let's, um, let's do this, this thing now where, where, we, um, where we call him out and we call him to uh, call his faithfulness into question. Okay, so pick up with me in verse 10 here. 
of what happens here. When Daniel, okay, so they, they, they basically convince that they hustle the king, all right? They trick him and they say, hey, we know they did. Daniel's your boy, right? He's, the, he's your, he's your f- favorite. So um, why don't you set up an idea where people can only pray to him and, you'll, and, then, and then you can't pray to anyone else, all right? And so in the king, they're always, they kind of show here, Daniel shows that kings are not so smart. All right, and there's, we'll get to this in a moment, but it's always showing, hey, there's one true king, one true God who has all wisdom, all knowledge, all power, and yet these kings get easily tricked, all right? And so Darius gets tricked into setting up an edict that people can only pray to him. So now let's see what Daniel does with that in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, again, that you could only, that you could only pray to Darius and to his gods and to no other god, Well, what does Daniel do with this? He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber. He opened them toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Okay, and so they come and they say, Well, your boy Daniel, um, he's praying to a different god. And again, Darius has, has raised Daniel up, and this theme has happened time and time again, right? Daniel's been, been elevated because of his faithfulness to God and because of how God has worked through him, and then he gets into trouble for it. And it's because people are jealous of God's glory and God's power and God's dominion over all things. And so again, they trick Darius here, and Darius signs a decree in which he can't, he, can't, he can't go back on his word for. And so what happens now is Daniel gets caught praying to God. All right, but look what he does, right? He gets told, you can't pray to God. So what does he do? He goes up under the top floor. He opens up the windows. He gets down on his knees, and he prays to God. Okay, now some of you might be wondering or thinking, well, isn't that kind of showing off? You know, I, I know my Bible. I know in M- Matthew chapter 6, right, Jesus said, um, don't let your right hand know what your, or don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And if you're, if you're praying, don't um, go into your room and close the door and pray to your God who is in secret for your God who, who sees in secret will, will reward you, right? So don't, don't pray, like just, just kind of hide out, just pray in secret. Well, here's the deal, okay? The big idea here is always, what does it look like to remain faithful to God? In that context in Matthew, where Jesus, out of his own mouth, says, don't, don't pray with big, eloquent prayers. Don't brag about it. Don't, don't make a show of it, right? He's saying, listen, if your identity and your purpose and, and, what, and what makes you right before God is found in your eloquence and because you're praying to make a name for yourself, then go pray in silence and quiet. Go, go have intimacy with God who's, who's, who's your God and who's called you into his presence. Okay, but on the flip side here we see, no, if, if God's calling you to be faithful and your safety and your identity and your purpose is secure in not being identified as a Christian, as a follower of, of God most high, then, then by all means let the world know. Okay, and now hear me on this, okay, because I want to make sure that we we could get this. So much of scripture is descriptive, not prescriptive. 
All right, the, the, the prescription, the charge here is that we are called, like Daniel, to remain faithful. Okay, so this doesn't mean, so everything we do, every time we pray, open the doors, get a loudspeaker right, hate your neighbors, just become, you know, in the early morning, put up a speaker and just pray or do whatever, you know. Um, we have, a, we have a, a small group, or we could call them RCs here, Redemption Community communities at our house, and we seek to be good neighbors with that, right? A couple of our neighbor kids come. Some of you guys who are in our group know this. Um, we try to not be super loud or take everyone's parking spot in the, you know, on our street, you know, things like that. You know, you don't just kind of have this, again, this, this false persecuted idea like, hey, we're Christians. Everyone hates us. It's like, no, they don't hate you because you're Christians. They hate you because you're jerks, all right, <laughs> because you're not good neighbors, Okay, and so, and so Daniel's not doing that, all right? He's not, he's not just being like, hey, we're Christians and kind of give the proverbial middle finger to the rest of the world and create these, these kind of culture wars. All right, he's getting persecuted because of his faithfulness. Sometimes our faithfulness leads us to remain quiet and to go and to pray in silence in our, in our room. All right, to pray for others. And sometimes it calls us to be bold and to be, and to be outward and expressive with our faith. All right, and, and, and the Spirit, through God's Word, will direct us which way we go. In this case, Daniel needed to make a stand and say, hey, you so clearly forget time and time again. You forget God. You forget the one who has revealed dreams, who has, who has, who has healed, who has delivered us from the, from the fiery furnace. Who's, you forget God, so let me remind you. All right, so he prays, and then what happens? He gets thrown into the lion's den. And so pick up with me there where we see this taking place in verse 16. So he gets thrown into the lion's den, and the king commanded it, right? It says, the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, right? Because he got hustled, right? So he doesn't want Daniel in there. He's like, Daniel, I hope this ends well for you, right? He says, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Okay, so this is to build anticipation, right? The king said, shut the door. Daniel's in there with the lions, all right? And we've, if you've heard this story, we could grow numb to it and be like, oh yeah, Dan right? Lions don't get along with people, all right? Especially if they're hungry and starved and you get thrown in there at them, right? Like they don't just are like, oh, hey, no big deal, all right? Lions eat people, okay? And this is so, let's not grow numb to this, these words are building up to say, hey, the door was shut, Daniel's thrown in there, he has no hope, all right? He's stuck, and yet he remains faithful. And then it goes on, it says, it says in verse 18, then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. So he's there, he's worried, he's like, man, I, I liked Daniel, I was gonna elevate Daniel, but I got tricked. Now there's no hope. Daniel's stuck. And let me just remind us here, okay, um, the, the, the natural outcome should be here that Daniel gets eaten by these lions. And, and now hear me, after this happened and before this happened, God's people a number of times were persecuted and eaten by lions. All right, sadly, even to this day, Christians, people who call upon the name of Jesus around the world are, are experience persecution like this and the outcome means they, they lose their lives. 
all right? But in this moment, God wanted to reveal something for the people of that day and for us today, like over 2,000 years later, to know something about God and about his character. So hear me. As God says, be faithful, right? Your call is to be faithful. The message is this. We don't just be faithful and it, because we know what the outcome is. We're called to be faithful because we know he is good and he is faithful. And he reveals that right here in this case. In verse 19, then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. Hear me now, okay? We have the benefit of being after the resurrection of Jesus. All right, the language here, I can't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna kind of give away the story, right? But we know the end of the story, amen. Jesus is risen from the dead. That's why we don't have a picture of Jesus up here on the cross. We have a cross to remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus. But the language here is bursting similarly of in the morning at the break of day when Jesus' followers went to find his body, it wasn't there, right? And so here again, similarly, at the break of day, the king runs to see and he came near to the den verse 20 where Daniel was and he cried out in a tone of anguish the king declared to Daniel oh Daniel servant of the living God has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions okay that language was used a couple times there this is again meant put yourselves in the shoes of the audience the first audience that would have been reading Daniel Exiles in a foreign land, persecuted. Okay, exiles mean you, you, you lived here, this was your home, this is where your culture, your team that you cheer for, right? Everything that you know, all the food that you eat, the language that you speak over here, and now you're taken out of that and you're exiles. You're in a, you're in a, in a, in a foreign land, you're in a different place, and yet you're called to remain faithful. Okay, the people that would have first read this would be in that kind of place. And this time is used time and time again. Hey, you're called to be faithful. You're called to serve God continually. And he will deliver you. Even if the outcome is, is the worst potential case, in the end, ultimately, he will remain faithful. He will deliver you. And so this is a picture of that. All right, and he says, will you? and then Daniel answers in verse 21. Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So I think that's kind of like a dig. He's like, I, I didn't do anything wrong when I came in here. By the way, you know, like you threw me in here unjustly, but I'm good. All right, let, let God's power be known here. I remain unharmed. Okay, and it says here, um, right, because he trusted in God. And then the king goes on and the king makes some command that everyone has to now worship the God of Daniel, which that's not how it works, all right? Every king, the same theme has happened here, right? Where, 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 where Daniel um, comes through and God's power and God's character is revealed and, and, then, and then he shows up, right? And, and then he, he honor and God's power is shown and then he's told, um, hey, now everyone has to do the same thing. And people won't be forced, all right? This is, we could take note from that. People aren't gonna genuinely worship a God they're forced to worship, all right? And, and that goes for every f facet of life. We kind of need to take note of that. Like when you, you force someone, right, like you, you like hold someone's head and you're like, hey, do it, do it, right? Like that, it just doesn't work that way. That's not how God works. God pursues his people and woos us into relationship with him. So we can just, again, use that as an example. This, it, it didn't work then, and that's not how it works today, Right, so that's what happens there. And so Daniel, though, 
is faithful because God has been faithful. Okay, let us remember here that, that, God, um, that God saves his people in, in the way that he seeks by being present. Okay, and the big idea here needs to be not, oh, Daniel was so good that he just gets, he gets out, he, get, he, is, he has a get out of the den free card, you know? Like, and like we treat that in our day, right? Like trust Jesus and you get a get out of hell free card and you know, and you will have no, no difficulty in your life and you will just have wealth and prosperity and ease and it's all good, right? And we know the outcome. That's not the big idea here. No, the big idea is you can be faithful because God is faithful and God is powerful and God rules over all things. In this case, he showed his power even over the lions. And there's a quote that I read that reminds us that this has been the theme, the big idea, throughout the entire book of Daniel. All right, it says this. This is by a pastor John Punk Piper, he says this. He describes the capture of Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, like this. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Just like that. God has one king in his hand, and when he pleases, he gives him into the hand of another king. The way you might exchange a defective Christmas present at Rosedale or Walmart. I don't know what Rung. Rosedale is, right? You just hand it over the counter. God gave Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hand again and again. Daniel tells the story of great political events like this. Again and again, God says, the king went to do this, but uh, God had different plans. And again, it's the, he was over here, and then God raises up this king, and then God shuts down this king. And then this king stands up and says, I'm the best, I'm the greatest the world has ever known. And God's like, boom, you know, like rebuke, humble, you know, and he puts him down. And then this other king, Darius, raises up, and, and they're like, hey, let everybody pray to you only. You're the best, you know. And, and then God's like, no, 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 I'll shut the mouths of the lions. Okay, God reveals his power and his faithfulness. And then in this last chapter here, as we transition here to chapter 7, it, it begins to get into some dreams and some visions and some things like that. But we begin to get a glimpse that the same good news for Daniel is the same good news for us today. That from the very beginning of time until the second coming of Jesus that we look ahead to, God is powerful, God is in control, and God is writing a story that he's already determined and secured the outcome, and that we, his people, are called to remain faithful within wherever we find ourselves. Okay, in this case here, as, in, as exiles, as slaves in Babylon, in a foreign land, all right? Again, let's be slow to try to identify ourselves too quickly, especially if we're kind of affluent, you know, majority culture, evangelical Christians. There are places, I don't want to di dismiss the fact that we find ourselves persecuted and struggling, okay, but more than that even, maybe we should be inclined to, to, to pray for those who have it even more difficult than us, to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, okay, to pray for our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world, in North Africa, who to call upon the name of Jesus have, have a much more difficult fate than we have, and that we can stand in solidarity, and that we can grow in our hope and in our anticipation of the declared and secured good news of Jesus, that we can be faithful because he is faithful, because he is powerful, 
And so in verse, in, in chapter 7, where we pick up here, this is um, where we see, this is where we saw the, the verse that was read earlier, our scripture reading, which we're not going to get to just yet, but it's, there's, there's a vision that Daniel has now, right? And if you recall, every other time before this was someone else had a dream, and then they were like, I don't know the meaning of this. What do I do with this dream? And they called all these different magicians and stuff, right? And they time and time again failed. And so then finally they call, the king calls Daniel, and Daniel's like, oh, I know what that is. Um, just give me a second. I'll go and pray. And the God who's, who's, who's true God, who's, who's over everything, he will, he will show me what this dream means. Well, in this case, Daniel's the one that has this disturbing dream. And yet in the dream, God reveals his plan, his final plan, his good news. And so this is where he, he, um, he'll, he'll, he'll pick up down there where we were in, uh, in, verse, in verse 13, where God reveals the good news that his kingdom will come and will be established forever. And this is kind of the beginning of every dream that comes after this, is to further emphasize the good news that, can, that is meant to shape God's people, to, to, to help them to remain faithful. And so this is what it says, picking up in verse 13, again, this is what we read earlier. Chapter 7, verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and he presented before and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that will not be destroyed. Can, again, let's put ourselves in the, in, in the shoes right now of Daniel and of his contemporaries. They're exiles in a foreign land, right? They're persecuted. Daniel, as great as he is, as many times as he's prospered and been delivered and been elevated, it's not secure, right? He gets thrown in a lion's den, right? Remember, someone came up, was about to kill him a couple chapters ago. His three friends, right? Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace, right? After they had been elevated, after they had prospered. And so Daniel this time is delivered from the lion's den. But, but again, let's not forget, he has no reason to believe that a time won't come again where he's going to be persecuted again. It's happened time and time again. And yet this time God reveals a vision that gives him a hope, not in being delivered on this earth, but in the, in the future plan, in the great plan of God, that as Daniel finds himself in, in, as, in his identity and his purpose and his hope is found in the, in, the, in the declared and secured promise of God, that he is sending a son of man that no matter what happens, no matter if I'm eaten by the lions, no matter if my friends are burned in the fiery furnace, God is, is, is revealing a plan here that I put my hope in that, that nothing can be taken away. And we have the good news of seeing this fully described turnover in Matthew chapter 24, where this same deal, and this is out of Jesus' own mouth here, is talking about, the, the, about God's plan of this son of man. Okay, because Jesus is asked now, well, Jesus, when is this final day going to happen? Because Jesus is dead. Jesus r r raises from the dead. And then he's told, hey, are now are you bringing in the kingdom? Is it all going to come here? And Jesus says, listen, don't worry about dates. Don't worry about times. R worry about being faithful in response to my faithfulness to you. Okay, here's what he says. Jesus, his own words in Matthew 24. 
Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a, with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And again, like them, we're like, well, when? When's this going to happen? When are we going to stop? You guys don't know this, but there was all kinds of profanity written on the gate out this morning. I showed up in the setup team, and, um, and then the custodian from here, Von Victor's out there, some, some people, I don't know, some you know, hooligans, probably young kids, right, that we need to love and come alongside, ripped up a sign, like a, key, a huge sign, and wrote all kinds of cuss words and stuff on the, on the gates and different things like that, right? And we could, and there's, again, a lot worse tragedies than that, but we show up, we're like, man, really, again, like, this kind of thing is just, man, the world's not the way it's supposed to be. And we know that, and we could call out, like, these people, when? When are you going to bring an end to it all? Jesus, when are you going to wipe away every tear, when, is, when are the holidays going to stop being difficult and just be fun? When? And, and then Jesus' message is not when, but it's, listen, know that it's guaranteed. Here's what he says in verse, uh, in verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man for in those days, and then he goes on and he explains how it's all going to go down. But he's saying, listen, you don't need to worry about when it's going to happen, but know that it is going to happen. Okay, listen, be faithful because God is faithful. And then here, even in Daniel, all right, over 2,000 years ago, the source, the, the reason for our faithfulness is because of his faithfulness toward us. And for Daniel, he got to have this crazy dream where he got to look ahead to the day when someone called the Son of Man would come. And where we sit now today, we get to be faithful because we get to look back and say, oh, that Son of Man has already come. He's already died and he's already risen from the dead. So now our faithfulness is even easier <laughs> because we now get to look ahead to the promised fulfillment that he will come again. And we don't get to just think back and be like, oh yeah, he, he saved me from some lions, so he'll pro I guess he could be, remain true to his word. But no, we get to look at an even greater evidence of his, of his faithfulness, the cross and the re resurrection of Jesus. Okay, hear me now, all right, as we close, I don't know where we're all coming from here this morning. Some of you might not be Christians and you might be wondering why. Why would I put my faith in Jesus? Well, you know, and, and then you might have heard different answers. Oh, because it'll, it'll make you, again, it'll make your life easier. No, probably not. Oh, because, because it'll make you a good person. Sometimes not, all right? It's like sometimes it actually gets harder because now you're aware of the struggles that you, that you didn't even really care about earlier. And life gets to be more of a grind. All right, or so, oh, because I'll have more money. I, no, 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 that's not the message of Scripture at all. All right, all of Jesus' closest followers were persecuted and were killed. Well, why then? Or others here, maybe you are a Christian, and you're just getting tired. You're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of being faithful. Is it worth it? How do I know God's going to be faithful? How do I know I made the right choice? 
How do I know following Jesus is, is, the, is the right place to be? How do I know in the end I'm not going to just be disappointed? Hear me now, it all comes down to this. The revealed power and promise of God is Jesus risen from the dead. If you're into apologetics, that's good. That's cool, right? Do that. I just honestly, Kenley, I'm not that much. So I have been, I've studied it, I know all these things. But in the end, that's not going to change someone's heart. You win an argument, you show, you talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls, all these different things, you show, uh, all, hey, whatever. Like that, you just have some great debates and some good arguments, and then people kind of just land where they land. But the, the good news and the foundation upon which we stand is this. Jesus, God in the flesh, that's who he said he was, died on a cross, this is historically true, and then he rose from the dead. He proved his deity and he proved the ushering in of his perfect kingdom. He proved his faithfulness because he's no longer dead, he's no longer in a tomb, he's no longer on a cross, he is risen, he's at the right hand of God the Father and he's promised to return. Okay, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I know this is the Easter verse, all right? We're in November, but hey, every, every Sunday is Easter Sunday, amen? We are fools if we gather on Sunday and sing songs and eat some crackers and juice. It's dumb. It's silly rituals if it's not because Jesus rose from the dead. And I'm glad someone laughed because we should. All right. In fact, you're in line with what Paul just said here. In verse 16, Paul says, If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people most to be pitied. We of all most people should be laughed at. (laughs) All right, sitting here, like again, put yourself outside of this. If it's just because of what we get in this life only that we sing songs and raise our hands and, you know, take crackers and juice and and have a cross up here and it's like, maybe if whatever happens in the end, it doesn't matter, it just makes me a good person or I have friends here. It's just, it's, I'm a, I'm an, I'm an American, right? Therefore, I just do this thing. I come to church. No, it's foolish. We should be laughed at. It's silly. However, if Jesus really rose from the dead, as he did, then we have all the hope in the world. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But Jesus has risen from the dead. The Son of Man has come. Okay, this was, this was Daniel's hope um, over like about 400 years before Jesus would come. Daniel's hope was in Jesus. And then Jesus came and Jesus rose from the dead. And so you and me now today, our hope is in the fulfilled and proven faithfulness and power of God in and through the person and work of Jesus. The Son of Man has come. The Son of Man has laid down his life. The Son of Man has raised from the dead. And the Son of Man has promised that he will one day usher in his perfect kingdom. And so we are now called to be citizens of that kingdom as exiles right now in a foreign land, we are called to remain faithful as God's faithful people because he has been faithful and because he is all-powerful and because he has promised to return and to one day usher in his kingdom that will have no end. Amen? Okay, let's go ahead and pray together in response to his faithfulness toward us.
Dear Heavenly Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for your proven faithfulness toward us. Lord, we pray that we will remain faithful as you are faithful. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. Lord, for those of us who are questioning your faithfulness, whether it's sickness or finances or relational strain or real-life persecution like facing uh, getting eaten by lions or a loss of job or brokenness with our, with our families. Lord, whatever it might be, we pray that we would be faithful. Lord, we pray that our lives would be defined by living for your glory and the good of our neighbor. And not out of our own effort, but that it would all be done in response to your faithfulness toward us. Your proven faithfulness through your death and your resurrection and your promised return. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.